welcome to the No Sub Podcast, your weekly home for all things wrestling. And this week, there's a, a lot to talk about. Uh, winter's coming. War games. War games. We did some homework for Mr. Data, for, for Mr. Database. Some of us forgot and just got it done before the show. So, classic high school. Classic <laughs> high school. There's going to be one. So uh, let's get into it. I'm your host, Joseph Lessel. I'm alongside here with the humorous and database, Corey Mack. Hey. No, so is living legend, Mike Google. It's showtime, folks. Uh, Devin Alwick's not with us this week. Good, fuck him. Not be a positive. But let's... Start this show with not by a, blaming him. By the way, by blaming yes for this asshole thing last week. At least nobody died. Twelve hours later. Twelve hours later, after Devin said those words of nobody has died lately, um, Pat Patterson passed away. Waking up at six a.m. to see that years ago. Damn. Yeah. A uh, a, a good part in the ad uh, era. Part of the Stooges. Yep, yep. Um, I do know, uh, I know I I haven't really watched any of his matches if it wasn't in the Add to Era. Well, uh, I believe Corey has said this before. A lot of them aren't on tape. A, a lot, lot of his... What, what would be considered his prime. His prime matches aren't on tape. And uh, I think this is where the database takes over. That's right. Yes, sir. So Pat Patterson came to Boston in the early 60s. From Montreal, not speaking a word of English, but needing wanting to be a professional wrestler, and eventually found his way and learned English the best Pat Patterson could learn English. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it was a banana. Um, and went from there to other territories. Ended up in uh, San Francisco in the late '60s, where mm-hmm. he kind of found an unofficial home. In Roy Shire's territory, he and uh, Ray Stevens were a legendary tag team that everybody who saw them from that generation raves about. One mm-hmm. of the greatest teams of all time. Uh, lots of feuds with the Wild Samoans and Billy Graham and Rocky Soulman Johnson and the great High Chief Peter Maivia. Um And then, you know, he would end up in the AWA later on, again, teaming with Ray Stevens. Um, but in uh, but for most of the people who want to know about him, we'll pick up in 1979 when he goes to the New York Territory, the WWF, and is... Uh, was it three Ws then, or was it still four? That's the year they got rid of the yeah. extra W. Um, they became World Wrestling Federation. And wins the Intercontinental Championship... In a vaunted, <laughs> vaunted tournament in Rio de Janeiro. Um, that's sarcasm. They didn't do a tournament. They just gave him a belt and called him the Intercontinental Champion. They had toyed with the North American title, mm-hmm. but they had never really had a legitimate secondary belt until this point. And uh, he was a heel managed by um, the Great Wizard. Who, the Grand Wizard, who was a um, fantastic manager. Promos were ridiculously great. And held the, the Intercontinental for nine to ten months, lost it to, um, well, he'd become a uh, face, too. Cause, um, and this is something that I wish they would do now more often, but they have to have managers. But the Grand Wizard sold his contract to Lou Albano. Uh-huh. And, Excellent. And uh, Pat Patterson wanted nothing to do with that fat 
uh, messy bastard and uh, kind of <laughs> just severed his ties with him instead and became a babyface. Uh, lost the title to Kid Patera. Um, and then kind of just, he feuded, he had a, a feud with Sergeant Slaughter. In 81, they had the famous New York alley fight in Madison Square Garden, which is uh, the match of the year in the Wrestling Observer for 1981. Nice old school, just blood and guts battle. I mean, it's, I mean anybody raised on... 2020 wrestling would probably think it's just a boring old mess. It's just two guys punching and bleeding. But that's what it was back then, man. It's for a feud, a blood feud. This is actually how you did blood feuds. So um, this might shock you two. Uh, I listened to a little bit of the Cornette podcast oh, last yes. week. Oh. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, but he talked about uh, specifically that match that if you, because you pretty much can't see any of his prime, uh, that might be the last great match he had and it's one that tape traders desperately sought oh, yeah. to get because uh the msg show wasn't really on tape yeah and so people uh, it's like the holy grail almost of that of, of the tape collectors yeah what's funny is you're right uh and i don't know if you guys have you seen this. it yes oh yes i don't know if you guys know this but as as early as 1973 mm-hmm. they would broadcast certain not all yeah but certain Madison Square Garden WF house shows live on HBO. Did not know that. Uh, I did not. And they did that throughout the 70s. Nice. It wasn't everyone. It was yep. just every once in a while. Yeah. And then starting, I think, 82, they would actually start showing the monthly MSG house shows on the USA Cable Network. That's Ooh. actually how they were first on that channel. Nice. <laughs> um, every third Monday, they would have the MSG show on there. They raw of them. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, this is like the year before that. So this was a hard one to get a hold of. Yeah. And when they did, do you have a copy of it? Yes, I do. Nice. And it's, it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's right in my alley. I'm the old school guy Mm -hmm. and I'm a vampire. I love the blood. Yep. So, um, it's just a good, it it shows you how good he probably was. Mm -hmm. And it, it reminds you how fucking great Sergeant Slaughter was too, when he was young. Um, from there he became Vince McMahon's. Broadcast colleague mm-hmm. on Championship Wrestling. That was an interesting announced duo. Vince was in the final days of doing his solo. Uh, um, oh, I forgot his name. Cosell. His mm-hmm. solo Same. Cosell impersonation. Oh, yeah. And Patterson, who at best was broken English uh, <laughs> half the time, made for some interesting commentary duos. Um, but more, and you said uh, you haven't seen any of his. Stuff outside the Attitude Era. Correct. Where he was, I have not either. Where he was definitely well-known. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Stooges were great comedy foil, whether it's Hill or Face. However, um, the what he's most known for, and most uh, fondly remembered for in the business, is the behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. He was ostensibly Vince McMahon's right-hand man during the National Expansion Era, and especially from 86 on was the uh, booker with Vince. And uh, where Pat shined was finishes. Yep. Finishes for the matches. Um, and one of my favorite behind-the-scenes things I've ever seen is uh, during Bret Hart's Wrestling with Shadows documentary, and you can actually see Patterson working with the 10 guys at Canadian Stampede over what the finish is going to be. Yep. And that's just a lot of fun to watch. And he also coached uh, Anvil on his promo that night, or the whole infamous... Uh, 
uh, we're hungry and we're going to forget our manners. Um, <laughs> but that's what he's best for, known for is the, is the, the creative. And also, um, and unfortunately now even more so, he was also known for being the last of the guys around Vince that didn't solely just kiss his ass. He would tell him, this is a terrible idea. This isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. This is bad. Would Vince always listen to him? No. But he would listen but to him. But he would. At Cornet yeah. talked about, he said that um, he was the one guy who took heed in what Patterson said. Like, if he felt strongly enough that he would just do it anyways, because if he said that uh, whenever somebody would ask Pat, he would say, there's only one book in the WWF. It's Vince. Yeah. Um, but Vince would take uh, his word over anybody else's if he didn't like something. He was very close because, to that family. And as, as uh, Corny put it, he, would, he never, like, if he didn't like a Vince idea, he wouldn't berate him about it. No. He would say, I don't like it. This is why I don't like it. And he would also come with a solution, not just say this sucks. He would say, why this sucks? And here's a different way we could do it. you think more people would watch. You would like, think. And figure out, oh, that's how you handle Vince. But yet yeah. nobody else seems to have mastered that. Nope. Um. And that's probably the saddest part now, besides the fact that... It, but, I mean, 79 is a, is a damn good life, and he lived a damn good life. Oh, a damn good life. And, uh, but that's the saddest part to me, maybe, is there's absolutely nobody now who will ever say, no, Vince, that's not a good idea. What about this? What about that? Is this, well, yes, sir, that's a great yes, idea. Oh, Whatever that's want, wonderful. Sir. Whatever you want, boss. Um, had a falling out with the WWF. Yep. WWE around 2004, when a certain uh, son-in-law... Got more power backstage mm-hmm. to the point where Patterson just retired, just quit. And it was known within the circle at the time that he maybe didn't want to, but he kind of felt he had to because Triple H was... The choice had been made. Pushing him out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then again, he kind of had a rebirth later in life with NXT. He would go down there and help Dusty with those guys and... Had a passion for helping younger guys, trying to get up and going. Um, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's sad, but it's also like 79. It's a good, that's a good age. Uh, you hate to hear about people going out like he did. Yeah. Extra pain and it's just dementia so. and just, that sucks. And somebody with that kind of a mind. Right. God, it sucks when they lose that. I, I will say I appreciated that. That they did SmackDown, they honored him, so they made it like a dedication to him that night. They did the ten bell salute on both SmackDown and Raw. They did on NXT too, not and the NXT. ten bell, but they did the moment of silence in the video. Yeah, you can tell how much Vince McMahon oh. loved that man. He paid for Frank Sinatra's version of My Way to play during the video. That video was amazing. Maybe the best one they've ever done. And they've done some fantastic videos. So yeah. I have, uh, I heard this theory, not about wrestling, but about something else. And I think it's true. It's hard to quantify best. What I've started to say around stuff like this, you can't be better than. Like, it may not be their best video, but you're not better than this video. You know yeah. what I mean? It and is. It, it tugs on your heartstrings a little bit. It, it's very reminiscent. We talked off pod. It's very reminiscent of the Freddie Blassie one with My Immortal from oh, Evanescence. That, that so video good. was fucking phenomenal. You know the only one that tore me up? They did two versions of it. The yeah. second version was Three Doors Down. Uh, 
Here Beside You or whatever the hell it's called mm. for Eddie Guerrero. Here yeah. Without You? But the, yeah, that. But the first one they did for Eddie was to Johnny Cash's Hurt. God damn, that, that one you can, stung. When the old man cares about you, there is no... Weirdly enough, there's no limit to how much he'll show you. Like yep. How much he will prove to the world how he's much a, he loves you. He's a very complex individual, isn't he? Is he is so complex. He might be the most complex individual he, he, I've ever heard of. Heard about. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah. It, it's like, or like with Patterson, it's like he passed away on Wednesday. Yep. By Thursday, they already had the Jared Briscoe like, five-minute thing. They already had, I think, Stone well, Cold... They played the video on Wednesday on NXT, so that later that night they yeah. had already cleared the song and had the video made. Yeah. So within twelve hours, you know, it's like I have the right the to play the rights to the Frank, Frank Sinatra song, which probably wasn't cheap. Uh, no, no, Frank Sinatra, no, and then <laughs> not cheap at all. Making Vince, it a Vince duet. Is like, oh. The duet killed me, dude. Yeah. Holy dude, fuck. I think what killed me about the video was just seeing like him with people. Backstage, it's like hit. Uh, it's Patterson, but it's him with. What hit me was the with Henning. Well, what hit what hit me was the picture of him and Dusty in the crowd at NXT. Yeah, yeah that, with got, Dusty. that got me because Dusty looked sick too, and I was like, oh man, Dusty. You know, Angle, Michaels. They did the one with the Rock. How happy he was when Sami Zayn won the NXT title. Yeah, French Canadian. Yeah. Uh, Gerald Briscoe's um, video was fantastic too. Yeah, Just, yeah. Top notch. I think Joe's eyes answer is the same. Probably what we remember him most for is probably the Stooges. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. So for you, Corey. Yeah. What? Besides behind the scenes, like what stands out? What do you remember the most, or what do you look back on the most fond? It's weird. It's weird because I'm. I'm before you guys, but yeah. I'm not quite before enough to remember the very end days of his career. Mm-hmm. So to me, uh, at one time I knew him as uh, whenever there was an important match, preferably with someone not from the business. You can bet your bottom dollar that uh, Pat Patterson was a special guest referee. Yep. WrestleMania 1, WrestleMania 11. Just always, he was uh, there. Cornette talked about one because uh, they wanted... Uh, because they they said that Ali just couldn't do it. Yeah, he was, he was starting. The, but they also wanted Pat in the ring in case Mr. T got lost. Uh-huh. They wanted somebody to be able to help help him. That's how important he was. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I but being the generation before you guys though, I was able to see like the street fight. Yeah. By the time I was sixteen or so, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, it's weird. I kind of, I mean, I'm I was most familiar with the Stooges era, mm-hmm. um, but I knew of the other side. So I was kind of in the middle. Uh, the, the one thing I want to bring up is uh, when people talk about it, was, was he really that influential behind the scenes or was he that important? Those people are ignorant. I, <laughs> I just want to bring you Hogan versus Warrior at WrestleMania 6. Mm-hmm. You go and you watch that match and it's not the greatest match of all time. It's Warrior's best match. But it's easily the best match those two could ever fucking have together. Yep. And if... And, I, and if you want to know his genius when it comes to how to do a match, I say just compare WrestleMania 6 to Halloween Havoc 98 when yep. those two didn't have Pat Patterson yep. and see how abysmally bad that fucking match is. Because mm-hmm. he was behind everything in that Mania match. They didn't do 
rehearsed, like real big rehearsal matches back then, yeah. especially with pros. No. And Hogan, to his credit, not the best wrestler, but he didn't need it. He could have gotten by, but Warrior couldn't. Those two rehearsed that fucking match so many times with Pat Patterson in the ring with them. He laid out that entire match from stare down at the beginning to the kick out at 3.1 and handing the belt off to Warrior. Every fucking maneuver in that match is Pat Patterson. And then you see what they do at Halloween Havoc without him. I will be remiss. That explains it. Not saying that he created my favorite match of all time, the Royal Rumble. Yeah, he created the Rumble. I fucking love that thing. And Vince thought that was the worst idea he'd ever fucking heard. And, and it's now one of... If, old Dickie so, Ebersol gave it the go-ahead, so it was yeah. fine. And now it's top two. He's like, you know what? Fine, J- Pat, you won't shut up about it. Do some on some house shows. And they were, really, they were rough, the first couple. Yeah, not it, great. it took a while to work the kinks out. I mean, nobody's perfect. Doug won the first one, so nobody's yeah. perfect. But, you know. But, and you know what? <laughs> and to his credit, and they nobody can book a rumble besides Pat. To, like, that sounds like a nightmare, by the way. That sounds yeah. fucking impossible. To I that know, that's like a match. month in advance, two months in advance. Just like, all right, I know one, two, three, four, 30. Jesus. I've heard that up until 2017 or maybe even 18. I can't remember the year. But even up until then, after he left, they would bring him back to book that match because no one else could do it. It's a fucking and make, nightmare. And make sense of it. And oh. we've seen some of the ones without his handprints on them. They're not great. Mm-mm. So... Uh, one of the one of the Patterson moments I n- will now remember is just watching it, and it was when just a couple months ago on for the Monday Night War stories when Commissioner Michaels comes out and brings them back, and then he Michael goes now hit my music and then Briscoe and Patterson start dancing <laughs> and like Briscoe is like untucking his shirt showing <laughs> skin and like they zoom in on Vince and Vince's face is like. What is happening up there? <laughs> I mean, I think I'm with a lot of this. is not a unique take. Uh, I mean, my favorite moment is them coming out the first time to Hogan's music. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, that is incredible. Uh, also, the memories of uh, from December of 98, some of my favorite Stooges memories are them. Vince making them go find mankind in the boiler room and their uh, their klutzy attempts to do so and Briscoe's like no we got this the bickering back and forth between <laughs> yeah. them that's yeah they made a really great team oh, they, they were did. like trying to suck up to Vince <laughs> you can you get him coffee Gerald uh, I'll go get you coffee Mister McMahon uh, R I P Pat man yeah. that's just you know God my favorite it, my favorite tribute to him besides mm-hmm. the video yeah. and Gerald Briscoe yeah. Was John Moxley on Dynamite? Yeah, it was understated. It was easy, but at the end of his promo, right before he went out, he said, "There's only one thing left to do, and that's to drive the crowd banana." And then he walked out. It's phenomenal, man. Oh, that's a R.I.P. Lost Pat. a good one, man. Yeah, that's, Joe. Yeah, you know who's been talking about you? Who? Absolutely nobody. <laughs> uh, hate to see it. <laughs> hate to see it. So let's move on to winter's coming, because some stuff happened. Some, some, some stuff. You know, something came up. Um, couple things. Couple things. One or two. Um, let me break down the card. As I thought it, you were back. Um, don't really want to talk like, about. Uh, no. Yeah, for that means that. So the <laughs> uh, so the not, the show started with the battle royal, 
and we were kind of we were correct on at least one who would finish uh, as MGF and Orange Cassidy both of the final two as after eliminating Warlow so we were correct on that like mm-hmm. Warlow and MGF would be in the final mm-hmm. part however so this upcoming week will be MGF versus Orange Cassidy for the diamond ring I know it's a little tiny detail and it doesn't matter to most people but I love the fact that they're about royal start with all the people on the floor and then the bell rings and they have to climb in the ring and start fighting yeah it's an old school thing. They used to do that all the time in the 60s, 70s, and very early 80s. I was going to say, I've never fucking seen it, so yeah. I couldn't even tell you. That used to be how, just how every one of them was done back in the day. Just ding, ding, everybody rolling. Yeah, yeah. and it's, I mean, to me, it's just a nice little touch. Mm-hmm. just looks cool. Because I guess, because the, the thought process is like, if you're just standing in the ring, why wouldn't you be fighting already? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. So if you're on the outside, you're just waiting, you're like, okay, wait, I get in first. I've got the advantage. I'm now familiar. I can attack whoever comes or after me. Or you get in last. Like yes. Uh, or last. Uh, uh. See? So it adds a little dimension to the beginning of it. Yeah. Uh, Jericho defeating uh, Kazarian. Something so right. Just some things. Some things. Yep. God. Uh, Jericho defeating Kazarian. Um, okay, man. Oh, wait, I did do a fucking... You did. <laughs> so, as you look up your survey for this, I, I will bring up that. that Jericho has given these inner circle... A ultimatum. If they don't get along with each other, aka get along with MGF and Warlow, the inner circle will dismember. We all know that ain't happening. Yep. Not yet. Yep. Okay, for the diamond. One more time. For the dynamite diamond. Did you just have a Joe stroke? Yeah, I did. Did you stroke Joe? Yeah. Damn it. I didn't want to talk about that. It's showtime! It's the only way I got renewed for another year. You know how you know you know how it's happening when you hear Saginaw. <laughs> I go as battle royals go. This was pretty good, especially when it came down to the last half. Miro finally looked like a beast. MJF <laughs> yeah. continued his douchebaggery inside the inner circle, and Cassidy will make for a good foil next week. I give that two and a half. Jericho and Kazarian two and three quarters. Two vets, but Kaz looks so much fresher than Jericho. That's crazy. Damn, he needs to give the 80s hair metal rock star a bit of break. The vodka is killing his career. And his liver and his life. That too. My God, it probably is marriage. That probably. <sighs> Although he makes a lot of money. The Jericho Kazarian? Uh, just yes, Joe, that's what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um... Britt Baker defeating the uh, Layla Hirsch. Two and a quarter. Hate to see a legit wrestler tap out to a move from like you know, from someone like Britt. But I get it. Britt's higher on the to- <coughs> on the ladder. Plus, they need to set up Britt and Thunder Rosa, which I'm mildly intrigued about. I like Thunder Rosa. So it was you know two and a quarter. All right. Uh, Darby Allen, Cody Rhodes defeating Team Taz, uh, Ricky Starks, and Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, let's see, three and a quarter. Love Hobbs' new look, orange and black singlet. It's the small things, you know? Yep. A little more like Taz. Standard TV tag, but that's not a bad thing. Heels dominate, faces get the win. Team Taz attacks after the match, and then it goes dark. As what happens when it goes dark, Joe? It goes dark because we're on AEW Dark. Nope, wrong. that's wrong. Um, a Titan Tron goes live, and you see a forest with snow, and then you see a crow... And then more forest and snow, and then lightning hits, and it sting. Or as Tony Schiavone, it sting! Which brought all the feels from nostalgia. All the feels. Found out that was a Tony Khan call. He said, Tony, 
I want you to do it just like you used to do on Nitro. You need to do the It's Sting. Yep. So again, the little things, man, sometimes they're locked in and they do the little things that make a difference. So uh, Sting's with AEW. Oh, yeah, boy. We're all a little conflicted about this, I think. Uh, we'll start, Corey. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's difficult because it is a bit of a double standard. They're going to be for the new people. But you need to try to develop a bit of an audience to put those new people over. Mm-hmm. You do that with old stars. That's, I mean, that's why Jericho's there. Yep. That's why Moxley's there. Yep. And Sting is a certifiable legend in this business. Mm-hmm. Um, he he checks off the one box that WWE demands for what is a legend these days, and that's competed during the Monday Night Wars. Yep. Apparently, that's all you need now to be a military legend. So he checks that box off. Shane Douglas coming up next. Shaking <laughs> off. Oh my god! But uh, <laughs> it got over with the crowd that was there. They were yeah. real popping. Um, that shirt's fucking garbage, but. Yeah. It sure broke the record of PWTs for most sold in a day. Well, I mean, you know, you for um, for Trump too. So, and yeah. it is better than anything WWE gave him. Uh, I will say so that's that. a low bar. Yeah, that's very low. Um, also, this debut was better than what WWE gave him. Also, that um, should have been Triple H. I like, I like how they they brought him in just to put over Triple H because that was important. That's you already won. Maybe, dick. maybe, <laughs> maybe that young upstarter Triple H need to be put over by an old vet. And that's why he's here, though. He's yeah. here with an axe to grind and mm-hmm. a point to prove. Mm-hmm. He pitched multiple ideas to WWE to use him. Not in a huge main event way. He wanted to help put over and build up young dudes. And he gave them tons of ideas of how to do that. Whether it be those guys attacking him mm-hmm. or him managing someone or just being in the ring with them to give him a rub. Just Not necessarily like, in a match, but just a stare down. Randy Orton kick him in the face? Yeah. Like, come on, like, guys. Like he, he came up with Tons of money. And Vince straight out told him to his face, I don't see any value in having you on TV at all. And then they just didn't use him. Let him go. When his contract was up. So now he's here and he he, he wants to prove WWE wrong. More importantly, he wants to go out on a higher note. He wants to go out feeling that he did something good. Yeah. And he wants to put peop- young guys over. He wants to build up the next generation. Which brings me to the one part where I don't have a problem with this, and that's because, and this is weird, Sting is a guy who didn't watch wrestling growing up. Yep. Didn't give a fuck about wrestling. Nope. Got into it just because he met some wrestlers at a gym, and they said it was good money, and it beat what he was doing at the moment. So he said, fine, I'll go and see if I can make money in wrestling. Never had true passion for it. That's why he stayed in WCW. They paid him so much more money for a limited schedule. Yep. That's why he stayed with TNA for as long as he did. You know, he could be real estate Steve most of the week and make that big money working twice a month for TNA. He kept wanting to retire. Dix was like, here's more money. He was like, yeah. okay. I, and but, he saved it all. He doesn't need the money. Yeah. He's <laughs> but through it all, something weird happened that doesn't happen with most guys who come in like that. He developed a deep appreciation for the business. Can't say he's a fan of it. And I'll say, it's different than love. Yes. Appreciates the yeah. business. He appreciates the business. He realizes it enabled him to have the life for him and his family that nothing else would have. Mm-hmm. And he's cognizant of that. And because of that, he wants to reward, he wants to give back to help the next generation. He's wanted to do that for 20 years. Mm-hmm. You can say what you want about him in TNA. He tried to put other people over. It was the bosses and bookers who, like, Sting has to win. 
Uh, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> no, I won't go out there. What <laughs> was that going to serve, you know? <laughs> Fine. But, I mean, he, he did his best to put people over there. He wanted to put people over in WWE, and he wants to build new stars here. I believe him. Um, hell, the only reason he ever went to TNA in the first place is because he felt a debt of gratitude to Jeff Jarrett's dad because that was the first booker that yep. gave him a shot. Yep. And it was like, you know what? Yeah, you helped me out. I will help you out. And that's why, I, at the end of the day, I don't have a problem with him being here. If he's put in main event matches and wins any titles, Ugh. then I can change my opinion. Yep. But as of now, I take him at his word that he just wants to build up the next and he wants to contribute and give back to the, to the business that made him. However, I'm immediately worried <laughs> because it didn't take but goddamn one hour of uh, Dynamite being off the air before Jericho was posting... Posters of the pain maker against the stinger and adding Tony Khan going, oh, it's time. It's time. And that's not what we need. And I know for fuck sure that's not what he signed for. Nope. But Jericho's going to do. Jericho's going (laughs) to politic like a motherfucker. It's another notch on his Hall of Fame ballot if he wrestles Sting. Whether it's 30 years too late or not, he's going to get that. If I had to do percentages... I think, uh, so, um, I mean, immediately, I was like, when you guys sent me the text, I was like, really? Fucking Sting. Jesus Christ. I need listeners to know this. It waffles. He's either my first or second favorite wrestler of all time. Guaranteed in this room, I've seen him more in person than anybody else in this room. Probably combined. I was going to say, I've known for over a decade that the Stinger is very high in your book. Very high on the list. As he's high on mine. Um... And this is something I might have known, realized, I don't know. The fact that they signed somebody who is 61 years old to try and make a difference in some ways is laughable. He is literally older than Michael Hayes, who we have said for 30 years is way too old to be in the business. (laughs) And he is older than him. You wouldn't know looking at them. Can I juxtapose a question to you? Yes. I don't find that the fault of AEW as much as I find that a fault of WWE, mm-hmm. that they've done such a terrible job of procuring the next generation period mm-hmm. that the, the people they still have to rely on are all about 60. Mm-hmm. Goldberg, Sting, Flair, Hogan, whoever they want to pop a rating with yep. are all that age. And to be clear, outside of Hogan, because fuck Hulk Hogan, um, I don't begrudge any of those guys making money. If they're going to give you the check, then fucking take the check. Whatever. No, I don't no. care about that at all. It's not my money. I don't give a fuck. Spend it however you want. Um, I just I felt like if this company, from the outset, they said they wanted to be different. This is, this is the 20% coming in. Mm-hmm. They wanted to be different. They wanted to build young stars. They, they're not stupid. They needed some name value, and you're only going to get that if they've been in WWE. Mm-hmm. That's just where name value is going to come from. That's just what it is. Jericho should have been the exception and the, the limit. You don't need to then bring in Sting. Because you are now one step from bringing in Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan and whoever the fuck from WCW. Because Tony Khan is a WCW fucking mark. So, I, I, so I'm, with, I'm with you guys with the whole Sting going to AEW part. But, and then literally the next day, mm-hmm. hey, guess who's going to AEW next week? Shaq. 
They've been building that up for a while. That's no surprise. The, honestly, I don't give a fuck about celebrity. I just it's a, it's what it is. They, that doesn't bother me. I I can't because um, Shaq's not winning the world title, and there's a there's a fear that Sting will. I can't say this for sure. But I've always gotten the impression from everything I've heard that the Shaq thing is kind of a TNT. Also, that feels like a TNT thing. They want cross promotion. Yep. And so that's kind of what that is. Yep. And you can't really say no to that. They're the only reason your company exists. (laughs) They put you on TV. So there's no difference between that and Stephen Amell. Yep. Absolutely no difference whatsoever. Have fun, I guess. I'm not looking forward to it. I don't want to watch it. Nope. But if it means them sticking around, uh, whatever, I'll put up with the, the one match he'll do, and it'll suck, and it'll be done, and whatever. Yeah, he, will, he won't win the world title. Sting might. Might. You know uh, what? I will say I don't think he will. I don't agree. There's, a, there's always a chance he might. Yeah. Things can go ass backwards real quick. Yep. Um, but I will say that this company, and Tony Khan in particular, had a well-thought-out plan for his world title scene, and so far it's gone exactly mm-hmm. like he said it would. Yep. So I'm confident. You might see Sting in matches, sure. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think you'll see him win a world title. I'm guessing mostly cinematic matches. It's a very, very smoke and mirror-y. You can, you can shoot around yeah. his limitations at this and, point. And I think that's what you'll get with him and Jericho, because Jericho's pushing for it. Uh, yeah. And then if he you know, do a tag team and Darby Allen could take all the fucking bumps and then he just hits a stinger splash. Or Him something. and Darby is a weird team that I'm here for. Yeah, it's, right? It's weird. The, the <laughs> face-to-face on Dynamite worked. The crowd popped. It, uh, it's cool. I mean, it worked. I'll see how it goes. I'm cautiously optimistic. So I guess I will pose the question to you two that Cornette kind of posed. And he, wasn't, he, he was very clear, and I agree with him. He's not shitting on Steve Borden. They're going to pay you the money to do the money, but... He's always liked Sting. What do you sign him for? Because it's not for work, right? He's not going to give you the great matches, so you can do smoke and mirror matches, but you can do that with Matt Hardy. I, think it's, I, I know it's not the same. I, I think it's clearly named. You're not signing him to do commentary. He's not good at that. The only time he's been good in a promo is when it's a promo for himself, so him being a manager doesn't make sense. Outside of name value and selling T-shirts, why? There's nothing else. I, I, I mean, and the I don't ama- want to sell them short, but I think there's, that's it. That's and, all there is. And right. as he pointed out, the amount of money you have to pay Sting to do this, that's a lot of shirts to sell to make up for it. Cornette said that he talked to uh, three different like personal promotion like appearance guys. Mm-hmm. And Sting will do fan fest and stuff. But if you want him to wear the paint, that's an extra five stacks. Mm-hmm. St- Sting... He's smart. He's a businessman. He's a businessman. So that is a, that's a hefty contract. He wasn't a mark. To walk away from WWE. Yeah. So I just I don't know that financially it makes I don't know that he cares, to be honest. But And you know what? We found out later that man. we didn't know at the beginning of TNA, and this could be happening here too for all we know, mm-hmm. that Spike was paying those contracts. It's a TNT thing. If TNT wants name value and they throw out the name Sting, they might be you, like, "Well, then you gotta help you, with some yeah, of that salary like, or, or, or split it." Like everybody was. And if that's the case, that's the, that's a brilliant business decision. I mean, I'm not saying that's what happened this time, yeah. but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I was surprised to find out all that time ago that Angle, hold on, Angle, Sting, Hogan, Bischoff, mm-hmm. all of those contracts were on Spike's books, not TNA's. Hmm. So maybe like, and just spitballing, maybe this is like a, 
We'll bring in Shaq, but then you got to yeah. kick in some ducats for Sting. And you know, it's been a year, and they've um, they're proven they have to that far, They have far exceeded. Mm-hmm. The fact they've never even come close to the bare minimum that they told them they had to meet. They've they've always well cleared it, even in a so, pandemic. Yeah, you don't have fans. Yeah, you know, and you say what you want, and I know people do. Every WWE show lost viewers during the pandemic. AEW didn't. Nope. It may not have gained any, but they stayed. But it hasn't lost any, which is important. Because whenever anything changed about WCW schedule, they fucking hemorrhaged viewers. Yeah. One thing that we have found out for sure is that this company has a loyal fan base that follows them. To a fault sometimes. Yeah, to a fault. Loyal, for but sure. But it's nice to know that you have that base. Mm-hmm. If you can grow on it, great. But at least you have that base. So is it fair to say that we're all cautiously optimistic about this thing? Saying? Yes. I would say cautiously yes. optimistic yeah. is the right way to go. So then we move to the main event for the AEW Championship. I feel like a main event already. <laughs> yeah. As Kenny Omega, with maybe a little help from one Impact's Don Callis, defeats John Moxley to win the AEW Championship. I believe Corey called this entire card. <laughs> yeah. I gave this a flat four. This was a fantastic match. Started a bit slow, but I think that helped the match ending tremendously. Uh, gave it that gravitas. AEW plants little seeds for you to pick up on better than any other wrestling company out there. Don Callis calling Omega's match at the pay-per-view, which we all thought was weird, mm-hmm. now makes perfect sense. 100%. One of those seeds. Uh, he helps Omega win the belt. And who knows exactly what this Impact AEW partnership is going to bring, but it has people talking, and that's a good thing. Um, so, yes, after the match, Don Callis and uh, Kenny Omega run off to the car until... They get stopped. Hey, we're by that speedster Alex Marvez. As Alex, cheesy, <laughs> quick, shows up out of nowhere and goes, "Hey, uh, what's going on here?" And Cal's like, "Well, if you want to know, you got to find out on Tuesday." But we film on Wednesday. No, on Impact. So on Access TV. On that. Yep. So today, mm-hmm. Kenny Omega was on Impact. Yep. Uh, the viewership was so normally Impact on Twitch since they're on Twitch. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred. Okay. 55,000 <laughs> showed up <laughs> for the Omega spot. And that's one thing nobody nobody Jesus, dude. nobody wants to admit this about him, but it was proven in Ring of Honor and uh, the New Japan America shows. Kenny Omega's a draw. Mm-hmm. So I in guess... This, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, go I was going to say, in this era where it's hard to find anybody that puts butts in seats, he puts butts in seats. Uh, he does a lengthy promo. I guess Callus does half the talking, and then Omega does. They bring up, they call John Moxley Ambrose, and uh, <laughs> uh, I guess tomorrow uh, Omega is, is uh, teasing an announcement to do a uh, a tournament, and him also going for the Impact title. I'm gonna make him double champ. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. And you know what? But I think uh, for smart it. move. Here for it. Uh, I think they're going to call him like the collector or something because he wants yeah. to collect the character. He's got the AAA Mega America title, which I hope he keeps. I think it's this weekend. For that reason, I hope he keeps it because I want to see him with the AAA belt, yep. the AEW belt, yep. the Impact belt. I'm here for it. And, and if you're Impact, great. Let him win your belt. What, what the fuck else you got going on? So something else funny happened on Impact today. Sting show. No. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> There was a paid advertisement during 
impact today. Yeah. With one Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone standing in front of an all elite logo hyping tomorrow's show. Uh and and they Khan brings up, Hey Tony, weren't you part of Impact for one time? And Tony goes, Yeah. I did Impact for one night, and then I quit the business for 18 years. <laughs> now, he's uh, not wrong. I guess not Tony Khan also hints at maybe buying Impact. I was actually going to bring this up. I think they're uh, doing a little WWE ECW situation here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They found, they found a company. Makes sense. Who is surviving on their own. And they're not going to go out of business because Clearly, they're, they're owned because by... Because this fucking company, dude, is a goddamn cockroach. I mean, they're owned by Anthem. They're a tax write-off. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they'll be there forever, right? <laughs> Just, yeah. But, you don't, but you're nuts if you don't think Anthem, if, if there's the price is right. They'll sell, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Uh, everybody, everybody has a price. I guess the ad felt like a 1980s cable access That's fantastic. Feel. That's what they're going for. Khan said that he would have could have stopped Tony from appearing if he wanted to, but instead he's helping fund the show via this paid ad. So you brought something up a minute ago, Corey. I want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. This is directed specifically to me. Because I, while I'm not as mean as Jim Cornette, mm-hmm. Have no draw appeal to Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. He does nothing for me. Yeah. What makes him a draw? Because draws when you make when you make and it's the same in every business. Pay per views when you're when they're big, you're bringing casual fans. You don't bring mm-hmm. in hardcores. Yeah. And Kenny Omega does nothing for me. Uh, the Jericho match, I was there for Jericho, not for Omega. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything I've ever seen Kenny Omega do, it's not that he's not talented. There's just nothing, just nothing there. special to me. It's yeah. like a Finn Balor situation. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. What is the draw to Kenny Omega? I've asked myself that a billion times. Um, and I like Kenny Omega more than most. I'm mm-hmm. not a diehard Kenny Omega fan. But I respect what he does, and I freely admit he's got his place. I'd be lying to you if I knew exactly what it was that made him a draw. Um because there's it, been other wrestlers as talented as him. But what wrestling is in 2020, he is a creative character. He's exactly what a wrestler 2020 is. Yeah. But it does nothing for me at all. Uh, and you're not the only one. There's been a lot of fans who just feel nothing for him. And I, and I'm, and I mean, I can't really say I, don't, I get it. Because like I said, I like him more than most. But I mean, I'm not a diehard Omega fan. What do you think, Joe? I, I mean, I don't know what what the no. um. You know, I the it's a weird question to ask. The creative <laughs> character kind of thing is like, yes, like that. I I like that comparisonist because of the fact that when you create a wrestler in uh, in wrestling, it's fast, powerful, yep. and he can do almost any move possible. And Omega can do that. He can fly thirty feet in the air if he's you know springboarding off the ropes. He can brawl. He can brawl. He can have a technical match. Kind of. He, he he can do any match possible. He's he doesn't have your standard pro wrestling charisma, but there is a charisma about him. Mm-hmm. The, his the, the one he's doing now, the cocky. He's better as a cocky asshole. Yes, he is by far. Am, am I wrong in this assessment that he is good at everything, not great at anything? No, that's probably the best way to put it. I, mm-hmm. I would say actually, he's like like MJF for instance uh, is good in the ring. Um, great on the mic. I mean, phenomenal on the mic. A throwback to 80s wrestling on the mic. 
Omega doesn't have that one quality. In fact, I you know what? I just thought of something that I never really thought before, and I'm surprised I never had. Yeah. You're right. He's good to to really good at everything. At everything. But not great at any one thing. Uh, I would compare him to punk? no to no, the guy that he, to the to the guy that he preceded in New Japan. There's not anything AJ Styles can't do better than him yeah. across the board. Yeah, like he's damn good. But mm-hmm. I mean, even right there, the guy he but he took AJ's over, better. Yeah, but AJ's <laughs> better at everything. So it's weird, man. That's crazy. It, it's a, it, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I, I did receive a text from good old JR. Oh, oh right. shit. Boomer Sooner. About, about Mr. Omega. Oh, I Is he linebacker wait. T Wild State? No. Um, he goes, <laughs> the text goes, hmm, the Kenny segment on Impact won me over a bit. The title collector thing they're tra- talking about is a bit of a gimmick infringement on Aries from a few years ago. But That's fine. Fuck He's not wrong. But, <laughs> yeah, fuck Aries. He says, but Omega looks passionate for the first time in years. I think working off Don Callis is helping because that is like legitimately somebody he's very close to. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole history they talked about is a shoot. And I, from what I read, one theory is that this wouldn't last terribly long. About a, this should last about the last month of Callis's contract until he's up. <laughs> yeah, goes to AEW. until he signs to AEW <laughs> to be Omega's manager and no doubt work behind the scenes as well. Yeah. So, I mean, in the long run, Impact's going to lose. Yeah. Their, their but show... find something else that works for them and yeah. just be fine. <laughs> their show and their title are going to be centered around Kenny Omega, who doesn't work for them. Yeah. And they're going to lose their senior VP. Checks but, out. But hey, you know what? You know, it's peaks it's, and valleys. It's Impact Valley. It's, yeah. Peaks and valleys. Yeah. So, we have that situation that Impact is working with AW. Then, a couple days later, I love this. Dirty Triple H... WWE's open to work business with anybody. Just give yeah, us during, a call. Yeah, during his conference <laughs> call. I love... God damn it, right? Like, oh, <laughs> we can do it too. The immediate tweet I saw was like, yeah, as long as this company's willing to gut its infrastructure and sell its video library to you, then yes, you're, you're more than willing to work with them. I, I love, by the way, that... The con's probably funneling, you know, funneling some money Impact's way, but I guarantee you it was AEW that called Impact. Oh, it was Kenny Omega's WWE idea. WWE is like, call us if you yeah. want our charity. Eat a dick. Yeah. Fuck you. Like, eh, we, it, it, no, I was told this was all Kenny Omega's idea. And then like, he ran it past Khan, and Khan was like, that's, sure. good, that's good shit. If <laughs> they want to do it, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's try it. Like, I just, fuck you, WWE. Yeah. Nobody call wants us, yeah. to fucking work with you. You suck. We're, we're open now. Yeah, oh, sure, call us. Tomatonga, they don't want none. <laughs> motherfucker, we'll show up like that, like, the, like the X for real, motherfucker. Open your door up. <laughs> yeah. What's up? <laughs> Hello. So yeah, uh, that <laughs> Go was. Go ahead and give Ambrose a live mic on Raw. Yeah. yeah. So remember when DX showed up WCW, they had Ming. Who the fuck is WWE has Ming right now? They don't have fucking anybody. You scared of anybody in that locker room for real in yeah. WWE right now? No. Fuck you. One, no. but no. Tomatonga <laughs> walks in there. He takes out the goddamn there's, locker. There's only now. one. There's only one. <laughs> Who? Our Lord and Savior Roman Reigns. Yep. The, yeah. The table. Or Tomatonga? You taking for real? Tomatonga walks in the door and Roman's standing there. What happens? Besides so orgasm, Superman everywhere. Yeah. Besides me jizzing <laughs> in my pants. <laughs> they open the door, Roman's there, and they're like, what's up, it. bitch? Travel Cock king, it. motherfucker. Yeah. And Tom is like, And yeah. I'm like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> everybody jizzes. Guys, I can't see. <laughs> Grandma was right. I went blind. 
That's what would happen there. Ah, so speaking uh, of bullshit, WWE. Let's <clears throat> go to War Games. War Games. All right. War Games. Player. Um, <laughs> so they open. By the way, Rook, did any of you see the uh, the gif I retweeted earlier with uh, Ice Train and Regal in a lockup? Yes. No. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. Regal got more. Okay, it was just a lockup yeah. for like 30 seconds. Jesus Christ. And Regal got so much out of that. It, all He's like... He's losing the whole time, yep. but he's trying to put up a fight. But and then he's like underneath the ropes, but still doing it. And then finally, almost all the way out. It's thirty seconds, and you know that Ice Train's a big bad motherfucker. Regal's a, a, a weak pussy. I mean, it's just like he he <laughs> he gets down in the knees, and then Regal backs up on his knees, still trying to fight him off, but gets to <laughs> under the ropes. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's why I retreat. I'm like, it's the goat. You don't need to do thirty six like triple jumping <sighs> moonsaults. 30 seconds and a collar and elbow, and I was already like, okay, I know the whole story. That's amazing. Goddamn. So they start, there was a dark match, I guess. <laughs> I read this. Uh, Legado de Fantasma of Santos Escobar, Raul Mendoza, and Joaquin Wilde defeat Kurt Stallion, Ashante Adonis, and Austin Gray. Uh, so they start. That's your cruiserweight division, by the way. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Dark match. So they start off War Games. War Games. With war games. As Team Candace, Candace LeRae, Dakota Kai, Kelly Gonzalez, and Tony Storm defeating Team Shotzi of Shotzi, Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai. Uh, Io Shirai with the gift of the year so far, I guess. She climbs the cage, puts a trash can over, and then does a crossbody. That's how I start every work shift. <laughs> oh, uh, no, that's um, hilarious. Uh, ooh, I'm here for my girl, Dakota. I have to trade. I have to go to her full time. Uh, as long as Alex is doing this, like yeah. Mister Rogers cosplay shit, yeah. I just can't be bothered. Did you? Um... <laughs> Back, baby. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Corey's getting attacked by uh, one cat. I doubt my. I can't hear nothing. Really? Yeah, nothing. nothing. Uh, uh, unplug. Plug it back in, bro. Uh, Raquel's a star, man. I just. I saw a photo of somebody doing um, the 2020 version of Latino Heat, and you put her with uh, Angel Garza. Oh, God, yes. I mean, her and Dakota still. Big Mama Cool. Yep. I mean, it's... But no, uh, uh, Dakota, I'll get to it when I do my... But but it's a good match. It was a good war games For the second year in a row, the women... The women did it. <laughs> he has no snare in it now. No snare does that, thoughts? Okay, go on. Yeah, I, just, I got... Um, it was a good match. I can't complain about it. It seemed to come out of nowhere, but... <laughs> just like that cat attacking Somebody you. Somebody else talk. Um, I enjoyed it. It was good. Um, 35 minutes it went. Um, but yeah, it's just, once again, it's, just, it, it's NXT proving like they have the better women's division in all of the, of all of the land. They do. Yeah. Well, I mean, other divisions would be good if they didn't all go to fucking NXT. But yeah. Uh, shitty uh, thing about the match is that uh, Candice LeRae has a broken arm. You don't say. Candice got hurt again? Weird. <laughs> the senton off the ladder with the chair on her? Yeah. That broke her arm. Not great. So, Corey, what did you give it? Three and a half. 
Damn good match. Don't let the rating fool you. It's that low because of questionable booking. Match. Those who understand that will know it's a highest compliment. Match ended great, but was disjointed because they gave the faces the person advantage during the match. Something only Vince Russo was dumb enough to do previously. <laughs> and it did. It really did take it out for me, you know? Uh, but then after that, I said, strap the rocket to Raquel Gonzalez. Yeah. Uh, if you want a future of your division, staring at you. Yep. Right there. Uh, because we've talked about it. Uh, your four horsewomen are not long. No. They're... At least two of them are pretty much gone. The other two are going to get bored eventually, and Sasha has other stuff she wants to do. Yeah, she's already trying to get a foot out the door. So uh, you need to build for the future now. You don't have time to wait, and, and you, know, uh, you it, got one right there. It's Raquel. funny, the, cons- the, um, the comparisons to Kevin Nash. Again, she was put with Dakota to be the bodyguard and get her over, but yet it ended up being Raquel. Yep. Much like... Yep. <laughs> funny how that works. Mm. Crazy. Oh, yeah, she's... It's funny. How crazy is that when we went to NXT TakeOver Portland, it was, who? Yeah, who was that? Oh, that was probably that Raquel bitch. Reina. Reina Gonzalez. Reina. Which I still think is a better name. Much better name. That name is amazing. And that one-armed powerbomb through the ladder to pin the champ. Dude. That was sick. Dude. So so that's probably the next match. Before we go to the next match, can we talk about something? Yeah. Because there was someone else in the match who should already be the current face of women's wrestling in WWE. That's Rhea Ripley. Mm. Yep. During that Triple H conference call, mm-hmm. someone actually called him on the fact of, hey, what the fuck did you do to Rhea Ripley? She had the world in her hand going into WrestleMania, and even though she lost to Charlotte, you said, oh, don't worry, there's a plan. And at first he tried to use the excuse of, uh, COVID. <laughs> and then like, well... This whole thing was during COVID, so no. Nope. Then he's like, yeah, yeah, we just we don't have nothing for. And after she, and then that's after she admitted about a month ago that the way they booked her after that zapped her of all of her straight garbage. Uh, they it zapped her of all of her confidence. She was questioning herself. And he said, "Oh, but you know what? She learned valuable lessons that'll help her moving forward." It will. I'd love to ask what what. Valuable lessons were that. Uh, the lessons, uh, she also learned the second one from Sting. Uh, so she's going to ride this motherfucking contract out and walk onto fucking Dynamite and make a goddamn difference is what right. she's going to do. Because, oh, Imagine fuck. her walking onto fucking Dynamite. You could, oh, that'd be awesome. You could argue. And hell, I even might ever argue it. She was the number four baby face on that team. Correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's... How it, in the it's, you fuck? Have, you have Shotzi who you're trying to push. That's the star. Yeah. By the way, you have, them. you have. I'm not saying it for us, but look at them and look at how they've been pushing her. Yeah. That's she was the, the host of Halloween Havoc. She She's was the, the promo for Halloween Havoc. She was the promo for this She's the show. Focal it's point of all they're doing women wise. She, yep. She's the star. You have the returning Ember Moon, who they're pushing for some reason. Yep. Eo, your champ, and then there's Rhea. It's like you can make the argument Eo is number three on that team. Yep. Yeah, your champ is third. Yeah. I mean, we said a month ago she should have fucking beat Charlotte. That is bullshit that she yeah. lost. We all knew she was losing going in. There's not a shock she lost, but she shouldn't have. Are we shocked? We shouldn't have been shocked. There's a precedent. First of all, uh, Baszler was supposed to win the Rumble. Yep. Somebody politicked to win it yep. instead. And we shouldn't even be shocked that Charlotte beat uh, Rhea. Does anybody here really believe it was a good decision to have her beat Asuka when she broke the streak at WrestleMania? Nope. She didn't need to win that one either. Nope. 
I, for one, have not missed Charlotte at all. Not uh, even a little bit. Yep, not even a little bit. Let's move on to our next match as it's Tommaso Ciampa defeating Timothy Thatcher. That was added on after our show last week. Corey special. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> It was great. They just you, call you. Like, you, you went to wrestle. You can inject <laughs> this into my veins and I'd be okay. Fucking bloody, like split ear Thatcher at the after the end of that match. Oops. That's how uh, hard hitting it was. How, what did I put here? Three and three quarters. This is my jam. I dig rough physical wrestling matches. These two are tough as shoe leather. Thatcher's ear being busted open was sick. Chop against the wind and hopefully get some momentum because what the fuck are they doing with him? Just like Rhea, got nothing for them. I know it was a hard hitting, enjoyable match. I love this style, and I love Thatcher. I know they're not going to ever do much with him, but this is perfect. Just have him be around, be the tough ass bastard that gets physical matches out of guys and gets them ready for whatever bigger thing they have. That's fine. Not everybody needs to be pushed to the moon. There's, there's, there's spots for everyone. To the moon! To the moon, you say? I do say. Because our next match is a strap <laughs> match, and By it was way. Dexter Loomis defeating Cameron Grimes. By the way, Cameron Grimes is someone who should be pushed to the moon. Good God <laughs> almighty. He was the fun part of this match. Oh, yeah. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> I can def- I'm not afraid of Dexter Loomis. Strap match. I'll, uh, be like, I'll be the first to admit. I don't hate Dexter Loomis, but he's nothing I you know look forward to seeing. <laughs> I gave this two and three quarters. Standard strap match fair. Grimes carried things as was expected. Cool stretch at the end that led to the Loomis chokeout. That was a cool sequence of moves. Yeah, and I will tell you that um, as much as I said I'm okay with Loomis, everything I really liked about this match was strictly from Cameron Grimes. That motherfucker, he bumped his ass off. He tried to jump the the ga- uh, the the barrier. He's a fantastic stooge. Yeah. He is a great chicken shit heel who thinks he's a world beater. You know what it is? It's what? a southern crash holly. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's Well, crash holly stuff. I mean, he he did this <laughs> in in that way in that way of I can beat your ass even though he is He you know, and he did this in TNA. And nobody, because wa- nobody watches TNA, nobody knew it, but he was doing this fucking character in TNA, just Trevor Lee, uh, with the Hurricane as his manager. They were fucking magnificent together. And uh, it's just amazing that, like, I'm glad he's finally getting the chance. I didn't think he would get this kind of push. Mm-hmm. But they obviously see in him what I've known for years. I'm super excited. And I think he's going to be seeing, at the very least, I think he'll end up with the North American. I, I expect that, too. Yeah. Uh I did like one of Dodie on Fox's like tweets about the match because it's he puts a blindfold on on Loomis and starts whipping him and it's like A strap match, B blindfold match, or C all the above. <laughs> all the above. Do what you gotta do. The next match they gave us was the triple threat match, the NXT North American Championship, as Johnny Gargano defeats Damian Priest and Leon Ruff for it. First things first. I really dug uh, Jenny Gargano's Cleveland Browns gear. Thought it looked cool. 
I don't give a fuck about the for Browns. Real, it's crazy that this is like his first one that he didn't do anything Marvel since he always does Marvel. Well, he's such a hometown Cleveland fan yeah. that the fact that you you follow his Twitter, yeah, oh yeah, oh my god, it's all about the Browns. Oh, the Browns are something this year. Oh, well, they, they finally have a winning record in like forty thousand years. So. I mean, I don't blame him. If, if my home team was that fucking bad and the one year they were good, I'd I wouldn't shut up about it either. Yeah, because who knows when they're going to get another chance. Uh, I give this three and a half. This was a nice triple threat match. They did a good job during the match making you think each guy was going to win. That's something that's missing for most WWE triple threat matches these days. Yep. You don't really... They did a good job at, at, at one point during the match. You were like, oh, he's going to win. Oh, he's going to win. It was good. Yeah, there were, you're right. There were points of like, okay, Gargano's going to win. Ah, for the third time, really? Oh, no, Priest can for the second. Is Leon really going to... Priest looked like a world beater taking out roughly 37 ghost faces. Mm-hmm. It's almost 2021, by the way. Can we move our pop culture references up to at least 2012? No. Apparently not. No. Um, you know what? I saw something finally, and it's been, it's been slowly creeping up over the last couple months for me. Damien Priest is going to be big. At first, I was like, I don't know. North American might be the nice limit. You don't I think don't so know. anymore? I see something bigger. Yeah. So, you know what's funny about that? Uh, you say that this like the things that I don't see in Kenny Omega, weirdly I see in Damian Priest. Right? Uh, I don't He's know. I don't know what it is, but he has something. He's got something. Uh, he has the size that they love. They pretend to not to, but that's all they care about <laughs> yeah. is that fucking size. But he has this other weird charisma about him. He it's come out. I mean, it's it was there. And I, you know what? I'll tell you one thing. He and I, and I, the name I hated at first. I thought the name was fucking stupid. It's yeah, growing on me it's now. Better than Punishment Martinez. Oh, you're not wrong. <laughs> and you know what? He was in Ring of Honor for like two years. Really? And who was he in Ring of Honor? Punishment Martinez. What was that what was the name? Didn't show any of this charisma because his name was Punisher Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> he he could work the matches. That, that was fine. Yeah. But in fact, when he got signed, he was one of the ones that when they signed him, I was like, why? <laughs> Why did they sign him? Okay. That will never work. You mm-hmm. I was like, to myself, I was like, you'll never see him on TV. He'll be in development, and they'll just get rid of him. I saw nothing that, that WWE would like, right? And then all of a sudden, he debuts, and it's, he's got a little weird charisma, and I was like... And, it's, and from what I read, he, the, he was one of the guys where Triple H had to really set him aside and be like, dude... You're a pretty cool dude. Why don't you show any of that on TV? Like, just be yourself, and that's what he's doing. Now. So be a little Kevin Nash and a little Scott yeah. Hall. Yeah, the references are definitely there. Yeah, but uh, but no, like you know, he um, it's turn you turn you up to eleven. Yep, and do it. It's like he was so dead set on playing a character before this mm-hmm. that he never thought, you know, what if I'm just myself? It worked for. Every being a star in the history of the business. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every single one of them outside of The Undertaker. And Leon Ruff is talented, but green as shit. And I can't help but think they did a world of damage to him by doing this storyline. He would have been so much better served to get further training and be the plucky underdog in the cruiserweight division trying to get to that title. Mm-hmm. And then you could have built him up and actually had people care. With this... <laughs> From day one, he was billed as a uh, undeserving charity champion mm-hmm. who would almost certainly lose the first time he um, there was a fair match. 
And how's that going to get him over? So what they're, what's going to happen now is instead of going the Rey Mysterio route where he starts to cruise weight and builds up from there, he eventually will wind up in that division and it'll be a demotion. How much you want to bet? <laughs> because this fucking company doesn't know anything anymore. <laughs> they just turn him heel and think that'll, that'll save him. That'll, that'll fix it. People will, you know, people will dig a 125-pound heel. Absolutely. Fuck. Good match, though. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. hey, Austin Theory being uh, Jernigar Gargano's little bitch dog. It's uh, something for him. It was me, Austin. It was, it was me, me all, all along, Austin. Austin. That was good. <laughs> There's your, to- your uh, you know, 1999 reference to the 2020. Yeah, okay. a pop culture there reference. it is. There it is. It was me all along, Got our, Austin. Got our finger on the pulse. Yep. Somewhere. So the main event was another War Games. War Games. Was, uh, actually, it's still going on, Joe. It's not quite wrapped uh, up yeah, yet. It's still. almost over. Jesus, <laughs> uh, it, it did go 10 minutes more than the women's Bullshit. at 45 minutes. I, that's a, no, He's going an hour and a half. Yeah. As Undisputed Era defeats Team McAvee of Pat McAvee, Pete Doon, Orny Lorcan, and Danny Birch. Ric Flair is watching this match going, geez, that's going kind of long. Wrap this uh, shit up. God damn. God damn. Uh, the Irishman was like, fuck, man. We get to the credits already. <laughs> right? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I gave this three and a half. Another fun match. McAfee has it. Yes. Plain and simple. Yes, he does. Uh, and by the way, I want to applaud Pat McAfee for going on his show the next day in a neck brace and selling the match the entire oh, time. Oh, yeah, 100%. When almost nobody on the fucking roster would bother to do that. You know what? You know the only people that do sell are the NXT people because after the day after War Games, everyone's everybody that's on Twitter from any of the War Game matches, both women and men, were like, "Yeah, my body hurts today." You answer William Regal and say you're not going to cave and keep it in. Oh yeah, <laughs> but Pat McAfee going on a show with a neck brace for three hours it was awesome. It was awesome. All eight guys worked their asses off, but again, it suffered by going way too long. To me, it really should have ended when the era had the four-on-one beat down on McAfee. There was no reason it went on past that. Good to see O'Reilly get the pinfall. 2021, I think, will be his year. Um, it would have been four-plus easy mm-hmm. if it hadn't been that fucking long. Uh, the thing about McAfee is that I'm not saying he's not a fan. I think mm-hmm. he is to a degree, but I don't think he's a diehard fan. But he gets the shtick. He gets the gimmick. And he he knows the way to m- make his run as good as possible, uh, and at the same time, sort of not alienating his fan base who isn't into this. It's just to kind of go overboard with the gimmick and be the character I they mean, want him to be. He's smart to toe the line, which I don't the hate it. One hundred percent, he's doing it right. Um, we're like. This isn't entirely their fault, but like the characters they're having Sam Roberts and Peter Roseberg play are fucking god awful. Terrible. They are and it's go away heat. I, I told you guys years ago that I was a huge fan of Sam Roberts because of the way he interacted with the wrestlers. This is not what they're having him do, and he's fucking terrible at this. You gotta play character. And you don't. That is not what his strength is. His strength is literally on the radio five days a week talking to people. He should be talking to people. He, he, as you say that, as CM, as, as one CM Punk comes out and goes, you should maybe having Pat McAfee teach your promo class because he is annihilating everybody 
What promo? Kenny said everybody else on the roster should be ashamed that he's so much better than you. And he's, he's probably not wrong. And he's just he's doing not. this as a part-time thing. He's not. I, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, I mean, I like McAfee separately from this. So like, this is just fun to me to watch. It's just, it's weird when you have somebody unlike Gronk who fucking didn't care where he like tries and tries to do the Ma- best he Ma- absolutely can McAfee's be. McAfee's moonsault was perfect. Oh, he God, he yes. does it off the top rope, through a table, lands it perfect, sells it. A part of me died, however, inside when he kicked out of the, uh, yeah. the uh, <laughs> Panama Sunrise. Panama Sunrise. Yeah. I was like, um, 2020 wrestling, man. I got to say, though, and then the next spot he took perfectly. When uh, Roddy threw him off the top turnbuckle and he falls through the table. That's the spot I wanted to talk about. Yeah, That takes balls of steel to just propel yourself backwards without looking through a fucking table in a wrestling ring. Most wrestlers wouldn't do that without looking. Like that's balls. Uh, so two thing, like two things about it. Like he's a he was a quote unquote kicker. So people don't think of him as an athlete. He's a fucking athlete. Uh, but also kickers, much like pitchers, are fucking weird. Yeah, like they're just a weird breed. So that is a hundred percent on Brian. He was like, man, this looks fun. When, Fuck it. when we're watching it, when I'm watching it, and like so. I, <laughs> When we're watching, and I think like Vic Joseph or Barrett goes like, he's the dirtiest player, football player. I'm like, Zen's like, was he? I'm like, no, he was a punter. He's great though. Yeah, he's fucking great. Um, I, I, but I agree with you with O'Reilly. It's gonna be when he weird. starts and him and Dunn start and they go 45. It's something. They, there's something with. They have to be getting him. close to breaking up. Undisputed Era, right? It's got to be getting You think there, right? so? That's been three and a half years. Because uh, while I agree with you that O'Reilly is probably the man, uh, that has to facilitate that to be able to do that. Like, he can't be part of this group yeah. and under Adam Cole. I I, I, I could see what, it. I don't know how you... It, I think, what did weird. Triple H say after? Like It's going to be weird, right? Undisputed Era has that DX magic or something. Yeah, well, he, kind of. I actually, I, they're closer to me than the Horsemen than the yeah, X. So like, so like, it'd be like if Weird of Arm broke up. I'd like, be my own guy. You'd be like, it, to weird. me, yeah, to me, right? it's the Horsemen. They're yeah, much yeah. better than DX. Yeah. I mean, Triple H is supposed to make everything about his shit. Yeah, I don't blame him. It's what you know. It's, it's what, what people do. It's what he got in there. But yeah, um, that bone in the daughter. But they're like, uh, no, they're, I see the Horsemen for sure. Adam Cole was the Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Roderick Strong was the Barry Windham for a long time. And Red Dragon was the the Arn and Tully. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? That makes sense that uh, Kyle O'Reilly would be the Tully because Tully was just as good as the singles. So he was. He could have been the dude if Flair wasn't around all the time. Yeah. And um, I look forward to seeing Kyle. I think you're going to see that belt on Kyle next year. Yeah. At some point, I think you do. I like this show, but it's too long. The show's better. <laughs> I'm going to say winter is coming because it was more newsworthy. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened on TakeOver that <laughs> that you he, didn't already see happening. going to change anything. Yeah, you knew yeah. there were going to be two long War Games matches. You knew the North American title match would, would be good, and it was. In fact, there was nothing wrong with this card at all. In fact, in my opinion, it was the best uh, TakeOver since Portland. Um, a very enjoyable show to watch. Easy recommendation. They just need to shorten some of these matches. Not everything needs to be 25 to 40 minutes. Nope. Just doesn't need to be. Nope. You can calm the fuck down. 
Good show, though. Yeah. And now New Year's Evil, yeah. January 6th on USA. That's their next show. Taken from, a, taken from an aborted WCW pay-per-view name. There's a reason. That's terrible. That's fucking god-awful. New Year's Evil. Uh, so, looking forward to... Upcoming. Let's go to New Year's Revolution. That's just a better name. Right? You the, already own the thing. fucking trademark. Let's go with that. Right. Saginaw. Uh, Put it in Saginaw. Saginaw! <laughs> uh, we have Sting talking on upcoming AW. We have Finn Balor returning. Uh, aid on NXT. They're also the return of Karrion Cross. soon. Uh, TikTok. It's, I mean, he got hurt, but... Uh, I mean that that entire that push is gone. Like yeah. I just there's no fucking momentum there. Unless so. they're just gonna throw him and Finn together. The last two champions, one still has it, both been injured. Hey, just wrestle each other. Cool. That's a lazy, but I can see him doing it. You know what hasn't been lazy? Our Lord and Savior Roman Reigns. No fuck. <laughs> uh past SmackDown. Um Fucking goes after Jey Uso in a swift move. Uh, we find out TLC will be Kevin Owens versus uh, Roman in a TLC match. Uh, a- after the tag match, it was a uh, it was Jay and Roman versus Otis and Kevin Owens, and they destroy Otis before the match even starts. So it was a handicap match basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, back and forth there, and then. Uh, Roman get Ro- they uh, Roman gets himself DQ'd by choking out KO when he wasn't the legal man, and then Jay gets a chair for him and Roman. They just go to town on Owens. Oh Jesus! Go to town. So, this might sound weird, and they are drastically different, but I'm getting very much a Taker Big Show vibe out of this team with Roman and Jay Uso. It's like, yeah. Roman's he, like, show me you're a killer. He's using him. Yep. But that doesn't mean he's also not trying to teach him. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. I mean, it's, oh. it's a good comparison. Yeah. Uh, they go to town on him, and then and in swift kick, fucking Roman <laughs> hits Jay with a chair and then goes and off and beats, g- the, beats shit the shit out, out of him. him. Got to remind him. And Heyman outside looking horrified, like, what the fuck is he doing? He's scared shitless. Then he grabs KO and then grabs Jay and he just goes to KO and's like, "I'm gonna make you and your family fear me." And it's just like <laughs> as he's holding Jay's head too. I'm like, uh, everyone's was, like, everyone's like, this is fucking Godfather. It's fa- yeah, it's fantastic. <sighs> and uh, I got a question for you. Nine I don't believe you. <laughs> Show me what you got. Show Joe what you got. <laughs> Sag it up! Um, in 2012, yep. when you first saw Kevin Steen, mm-hmm. did you ever think he would become the prototypical, like, dependable WWE superstar? I'm- the one they can plug into in main event, and it would work, and it would be believable, and he would be perfect for it. I believe I told you specifically that uh, there is no fucking shot in hell he ever works for that company. Right. There, he has nothing for them, and they have nothing for him. That guy, that Kevin Steen dude, is going to go on to Raw and cut a PG promo? Think not, buddy. It's amazing what can what can happen. 
I, uh, it, it, it's true. He's become the guy they can plug in anywhere. It's the ultimate company, man. He's the is, ultimate company utility player for them. To a degree. He's which still is like, shocking. fuck you, you assholes. Like, he's yeah. still like, got some steam in him. But it's, know, it's that's, weird. It's that's, weird. That's a great point. I, I never thought about that. It's like, even though he's Kevin Owens and he's WWE sanitized, there's still a layer of steam there, mm-hmm. and it's never gone away. No. Especially oh. on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Especially on Twitter. They bring up, I, I don't know if, I know you didn't see it, but did you see oh, his video? So, two things. He did a video, he, he did a video about Pat, because he felt like just doing a tweet is just not right. But then he does a video that he's like, oh, I'm out about shopping, and I notice his, uh, I see uh, Sami Zayn's car. And I know Sammy, so he doesn't lock his car. So I'm going to hide in the back of his car and see if I can scare the shit out of him. And then it's like a 30-second video, so it's like edits, edits. Yeah. And then you see Sammy walk up, and you, you, he notices him before he gets scared. And you just hear like, what the? F-? And it cuts off. <laughs> but it's just him laying on, the, laying on the back seat. Like, I know he doesn't lock his car. God damn I'm it. just going to shoot out of him. That actually brings me to a story he told this week. I didn't know that part. But it makes sense that he tells this story then. He's, he was telling the story online to somebody because they asked him about it. About 2000, about 2012, 2013, a Ring of Honor show. Mm-hmm. And uh, those two drive together. They drive together and come up to wherever they're going, in New York. Okay. It's, gonna be, it's, it's at the Hammerstein or something like that. And they're running late, and they just go in, and they work the match. Sammy was driving. And afterwards, uh, they're done. They're showered. They're ready to go. Sammy can't find the keys anywhere. He's freaking out. They're both freaking out. Finally, they walk outside, and Kevin Owens finds out that the car, uh, the keys were still in the car. And, in fact, the car was still turned on. (laughs) It's like a three-hour show. And somehow in New York, no one ever took it. It's amazing. Because it's like... That thing where you say, like, somebody put, like, $1,000 on a bench and see if somebody won't feel like, I'm not touching that. Yeah, that's Fuck obviously that. planted. That's definitely yeah, a cop sitting around here somewhere. Not touching that. <laughs> Excellent. This is awesome. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, my son. <laughs> hey, uh, you're not Roman Reigns. I know. I wish. He is at the head of the table. Corey's at the head, of the, at the head table. of the table. Oh, that's right. When he gave us homework. Oh, that's right. As we had to watch. What? You, you don't. You forgot already. No, no, was, uh, I'm, this is your segment. So I'm uh, well, sitting. actually, it was Mike's segment. But <laughs> yes, but you're starting. You're taking it's over. It's a Triple H and Kevin Nash in a sledgehammer ladder match from TLC 2011. Words are weird. Strategically, because I have always been the extreme high man on this match, where people just fucking hate it. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering what you guys thought of it. If you so would, tell me, if you wouldn't mind, Corey, real quick. Yeah. Just very quickly. How did we get here? In 2011. Well, okay. Triple H Kevin Nash match. So CM Punk wins the title from Cena at SummerSlam. Yep. And Kevin Nash comes through the crowd, power bombs him, and then uh, W.O. cashes in. And there's this controversy about who texted Nash to go stick the guy, as he put it. And it just goes on and on. And it was supposed to lead to a Punk-Nash match, but Nash failed a physical for heart issues. Mm-hmm. So you kind of just forgot about him. But then he comes back in November, sets up the Triple H match. And they have it here. He attacks him, lays him out with a sledgehammer, and that's why that's the 
surprise, as it were, in this match. And they had it. And for years, I thought it was a damn good match that told a damn good story. Well, since Devin's not here, I have his... Uh... All right. Uh, he says he gave it three and a half stars. Says, I liked it as much as Corey, if not more. Yeah, I think that was about three and a half. Fair enough. Uh, I'll go next. I'll just, I'll give you just kind of my, uh, some thoughts I had as I was watching the match. So I gave it two and three quarters. So not quite as good as yours. I didn't hate it. Uh, towards the end, you'll see why I kind of gave it that rating. Um, so first off to start out with. Cole read Nash's credits like he was reading a teleprompter. He had zero emotion when Nash walked out. He was like, he was a nine-time champion. And he, he totally, it was Wikipedia. He, he was Diesel like and cool. All right. Um, when Triple H came out, he organized him over the place. Oh, and, it's the boss. Uh, you know, it's the boss. I'm going to side road. You know, yeah. Stuck out to the boss. Um, even in 2011, Triple H got a better than decent pop. He no, was still fucking over in 2011, yeah. which is crazy to me. Weird to see Nash coming out as Kevin Nash in WWE to NWO music. Yeah. That mustache, though. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Facial hair was... The child molester mustache? What does that call it? <laughs> like the nine miles from the nose to the lip, yeah. The child mustache? Yeah. Because I'm a dick. And so yeah. I was like, hey, the ref is that wrestler from WCW. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Fucking Armstrong, goddammit. Uh, and just, it was peak everybody hitting Michael Cole because he was just hitting every fucking nickname under the yeah. goddamn sun for both of these people. Plus, he was still heel. Oh, I forgot he was still a fucking stupid heel yeah. commentator, too. Oh, my God, it drove me nuts. Um, the figure four through the ladder was fucking cool as shit. <laughs> I was like... At first, I was like, what are you... I was like, it's on the wrong leg. I was like, what are you doing? His leg, the left leg is... I was like, oh, it's fucking genius. And given Kevin Nash's knee issues, that was a ballsy move. <laughs> that, is, that was a phenomenal spot in that match. Um, so a couple of reasons why it's a little bit lower than yours. I thought it lagged a little bit in the middle. It kind of it went a little too long, probably, for the match. Go figure. Um, and then the ending was a very basic ladder match ending for WWE. Third you both climb a ladder. You punch. I thought Triple H was taking the bump. I was shocked Nash took that bump. The only person he would take that bump for was the one in the ring. Um, but I, it was just a basic, your very basic ladder match ending. So I was just like, yeah, that's, you know. Um, but still, I mean, most people it, give it a star tops. It's definitely so. better than that. In 2011, that is a much better match than I thought it would be. So I def, I've never seen this match. Um, it was enjoyable. Oh, well, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but you don't expect it to be for Kevin Nash 2011. But it was definitely more than one star. Yeah, it went. The hate doesn't make sense. It went 18 minutes and 18 <laughs> seconds. It's too long. 13 minutes would have been perfect. Uh, second yeah. uh, longest match, the main event that went 1822. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, punk. Yep, main eventer, though. That's all about punk. Yeah, there yeah. it is. Uh, I know. Um, <laughs> so, I forgot. I forgot to do my homework, but I just watched it prior to this the show mm-hmm. as I was eating my... Give me the cliff notes. Cliff notes. Uh, back and forth match. Uh, <laughs> two guys. Two guys wrestling. Two no, guys. No, so... <laughs> I, 
Uh, I remember watching this and not liking it, but that might have been because of the good old JR effect that he was in the room and he does he does make a difference. The JR effect happened. Like Fatu, baby. Yep. So I watched it. I actually really enjoyed it this time. Um, it I could tell the storytelling of click on click action. I mean, it, they covered Nash moving slow by him working on the leg from the get go. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it it made sense. Uh, there was a an actual point to it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just I always thought it was better than the hate against. So yeah, I was, I was curious. Uh, I did like the kind of the ode to the I I uh, I'm sorry, I love you with the throwing up the too sweet. That was the other thing. I like uh, it was the. <laughs> That now just like cliched Shawn Michaels Ric Flair ending, they do some weird touchy thing and then he like I just like come on guys. But I liked him from Nash because he was getting his ass kicked, so it was more like a hey, never mind. Forgive me. Uh, yeah, too sweet. Triple H is like dick. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, for me, I'll give it three. Cool. No, so. I was I was intrigued. I I kind of expected everybody to agree with the hate just because it's been around so long that yeah. I just assumed I was some crazy guy on a mountain. But we are. Well, that's, that's fair. So, uh... What's next week? Yeah, what's next week, Next Gordon? week, I sent you a link. Yeah. It's a Japanese match. Ooh. But with all the deathmatch wrestling going on around here, mm-hmm. and it's not a deathmatch. Damn it. Don't tease me like uh, that. There's a reason, though. Oh. There's a lot of blood, a lot of juicing. Sick. And this match Movie is from... Juice? De- no. Oh. This is from December 92. It's Hiroshi Hase against the Great Muda. Ooh. And there, there's a reason I picked it, is because... Whenever there is a deep, deep blood loss on a match, such as Eddie at that pay-per-view or mm-hmm. death matches, there's a reason, guys, within the business, rate your gig on the Muta scale. Oh. <laughs> and this is the famous match that gives us the oh. Muta scale because that motherfucker blades so badly. Uh, <laughs> how close is it to the, to the Jericho picture from Japan in that book? Is it like that? Or Mexico, wherever Ooh, he was. Max, oh, no, that was Smoky Mountain. The Smoky Mountain Is one? it like that? Because that was... When it's all over the ref? My God. Yeah, that's Smoky Mountain. He almost Mountain. murdered himself. Close to should it. it they, should, should it now be the Jericho game? They call it the Muda scale <laughs> for a reason. So okay. This is the reason why. All I right. thought it was time to see from whence they came with the Muta scale when it comes to blood loss. You know what's awesome is I love the fact that... Uh, Devin's not here to know why we're watching that match. Yeah, he's just gonna click on the link and watch it and be like, "Fuck, fuck." Um, so what? Plus, Nig- so what? Nigga's gonna do when he sees him. Plus, uh, Great Muda and Hiroshi Hase are just two of the greatest wrestlers in Japan ever. So, mm-hmm. sure, it'll be you know. I haven't watched it in years. Yeah. So I'm I'm almost going into it brand new too. Do you have a, a DVD of it somewhere? No, no. That, I had to go on Daily Motion to find it, even for me to watch. Emotions of Daily. Yep. Right. So I'm looking forward to this. Hmm. That's fun. So that's next week's Joe. Please okay. don't forget until like the third. I, I, I will watch <laughs> it one of these days. <laughs> Jesus. That that is a Joe promise. Joe Lessel. Guarantee. <laughs> uh let's wrap this show up. Uh Corey, do we have any uh this day in wrestling? Very little. Very little. <laughs> Apparently not a lot happens on uh December eighth. Uh, let's see here. It's the morning Pearl Harbor. I get it. <laughs> Let me find something worth a shit. Up to the 80s. Ooh. Looking good. Looking mm-hmm. good. Nope, nope. <laughs> no? Hold on. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Oh, oh. 
I don't. And we're looking good here. 1994. There we go. All right. Harlem Heat defeated Stars and Stripes, that would be the Patriot and Shitbag Bagwell, <laughs> to win the WCW World Tag Team titles. Latino buff? No. And in 2001 in Glasgow, Scotland, or Glasgow, Scotland, Psychosis defeated Juventud Guerrero to win the World Wrestling All-Stars International Cruiserweight title. That's it. That's it. There it is. Not a lot happening on December 8th. You suck December 8th. Do better. No. Yeah, I looked at December 7th. Yeah. Tons of shit. Ah, what do you got? Tons Just of shit. Just give me a couple. Couple? Uh, the DX in your house pay-per-view. Ooh. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, something happened with Hogan. Oh, uh, Saturday Night's Main Event in 1987. That was a great show. Uh, and then six just, months old then. Yeah. And then there was a ton of like territorial stuff in the 70s that was interesting. Like, a ton of shit happened that day. Fucking December 8th. December 8th. What, who have you ever beat? <laughs> who do you to doubt December 7th? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap this show down. All right. Uh, if you couldn't listen to us live, you can follow, follow us at com. You can listen to all of our podcasts wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>